0: So at my age, this doesn't happen quite as frequently as it used to, but uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, a good friend of ours got engaged to be married, and it struck me as we were listening to her tell the proposal story, which by the way, anyone thinking about getting engaged, you know it's about the proposal story. If you're thinking about getting engaged and don't have a proposal story lined up you might want to make a note of that. But we were listening to this proposal story and it struck me just how much changes in that one instant. So she's telling us about how her and her boyfriend were kind of cruising through Niagara on the lake on a date and you know the sun was starting to set and it was going to look really pretty so they were going to go kind of closer to the lake to take some photos and as they were kind of getting organized down by the lake about to take some photos she turned around and bam the guy was on one knee right behind her and holding up this ring in a box and asking if you know she'll marry him and as she got kind of organized and got her, her bearings around her and said yes suddenly everything had changed. You know, no longer were they just boyfriend and girlfriend. Now they were fiance's far more sophisticated and official now. They weren't just aimlessly dating. They were like planning a wedding and preparing to be a family. And now there was no, you know, fuzziness about how they were feeling towards each other. They were set and firm and committed to one another that they were going to become husband and wife. And uh, it it just struck me how much, you know, things changed in that one instant through that act of proposal. So much so that it doesn't just affect them, it affects the people around them. I was talking to to this friend of mine's dad, the the father now of the bride. And we were kind of joking about what it's like to, you know, have that talk with the prospective husband and, and eventual son-in-law and all that kind of stuff. And I had shared with them some wisdom that a pastor friend of mine had shared with me. They said, you know, when uh, your kids get married, it's, it's a lot different if you have a, a a son versus a daughter, because if you have a son that gets married, you don't really lose a son, you gain a daughter. But if you have a daughter that gets married, you don't lose a daughter, you gain a loser. And so I, you know, I shared that with him. We had a laugh, this guy, we we've met this guy and he's, he's a pretty good guy. So we're, we're feeling good about this friend of ours, but you know, it struck me even in the extended family and friendship circle that everything kind of changes in an instant because of this one moment of proposal that in those instances, there is power in a few words. And in this uh, stage in the series that we're calling Refreshing Faith, what I want us to consider is that the same thing is actually true in a life with God. That there is some power in a a few words as it relates to our faith in Jesus Christ. In uh, Romans chapter 10, for example, in verse 9 and 10, it says this. If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The interesting part about the conversation today is that a life of faith Is actually not just about a life of faith, that there is something powerful and inherently significant in the verbal articulation of the reality of your faith. That there's power or spiritual significance in the declaring of your faith. And so it's not just enough to feel certain things and have certain things kind of going on in your head and your heart. Actually kind of intrinsic to the dynamic of having faith in Jesus Christ is the outward or public profession of that faith. That to profess your faith is kind of synonymous with the process of engaging in faith In the very beginning there is significance in these few words that would declare or articulate the reality of the journey of faith in Christ that you are on there is power in the profession of faith. And so we want to consider that as its kind of own independent stage that we want to hit the refresh button on and kind of uh, remind ourselves of or reflect on today. Because in the first week we talked about the, the, the faith process beginning with seeking that faith begins with kind of investigating the reality of God and the claims of Jesus and what the Bible teaches and whether it's relevant or consistent or, or meaningful in your life. And from there, you kind of graduate to the step of believing that after seeking, you come to a place where you're clear on what the Bible teaches, and you understand, you know, what it says about God and about Jesus and about His death and resurrection and the Holy Spirit and some of these core things that we talked about last week. And when you when you come to clarity and agreement on that stuff, and are willing to entrust your life to the forgiving work and the leadership of Jesus from then on in, you have actually engaged in believing, not just seeking. Well, now we want to kind of step. Forward from there, because as it says in Romans 10, inherent in the process of believing is actually a significant spiritual stage that articulates the reality of your belief and declares your faith. Today, we want to talk about the power of professing your faith. And here's the point today that a significant Kind of spiritual moment happens, similar to a, a couple kind of getting engaged. A significant spiritual moment happens when you take the time to outwardly or publicly profess your faith. It's like when the Bible describes that. From the mouth proceeds that which fills the heart. What's going on when a person professes their faith. Or declares the reality of their faith publicly. Is they're articulating what's going on on the inside. But in a way that the Bible affirms is spiritually significant. It's not just about believing. It's also about professing the reality that you have belief. Now as I say that I want to be clear. That you know to profess your faith is not an essential for faith. Uh, we were clear last week and, and the Bible's clear you know from front to back that to have faith in Christ is not dependent on things we do. So there aren't things that we have to do or a, a list of boxes to check or things that you know we have to complete in order to earn our faith in Christ. The Bible's clear that faith in Christ is a gift. That we simply receive from Jesus. Faith is a product of the grace of God to us. And so I don't want to communicate this today as if articulating our faith is something that is essential to receive or embark on faith. But it is something that is inherently spiritually significant in the process of faith. Where there is significant power In the experience of professing faith. In the same way that a marriage proposal kind of changes everything. In a lot of ways, the profession of what's going on inside your mind and your heart. Actually makes your faith more real than it was before. It kind of cements your faith in a spiritually significant way. If you think about some of the other uh, kind of ways that this happens in our world. You realize that there is an inherent power in the declaration or profession of reality. Think about it uh, as a customer. You know, you could shop around lots of different stores for lots of different products. But it's when you say, I'll take it, that suddenly you have a sale. There's power in that profession. You think about a coach who's picking a sports team. You know, they can feel a certain way about lots of players and kids and whatever, but it's when they post that list of the team that they've selected that you really know how they feel. Same in education with teachers. Teachers can love their students. You can have all kinds of great relationships, but you don't really know where you stand until that teacher has professed how they feel in the marks that you read on your report card. And, you know, again and again and again. You think about at work. You wonder how your boss feels about you. And, and they can like you. They can be your friend. But, you know, have they hired you? Are they giving you the promotion? Are they giving you the raise? Are they giving you a greater responsibility and assignments? Like, it's when they declare those things that all of a sudden, what's going on on the inside becomes real on the outside. And in all those same ways, like a, a marriage proposal, in our life of faith, there is inherent Power in the profession itself. Now, the curious thing about faith and the verbal profession or the outward declaration of faith is that the Bible actually describes this happening in a very specific way, actually, through a kind of ceremony that, of all things, involves water. And if you've never seen this or experienced this before, we're going to kind of walk into this today because this ceremony that the Bible describes as synonymous with declaring or professing your faith is what the Bible calls baptism. So we want to camp out on this a little bit because practically speaking, this is the Bible's way of articulating or declaring faith. So look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, for example. It says there that water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from your body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, it's not the act of baptism or the professing of your faith that saves you. Jesus saves you. But what the text is teaching is that baptism is this ceremony rich with symbolism to represent what Jesus has done in a person's life. And it starts with the water, that the water represents the washing away of our sin, thanks to Jesus' sacrificial death. That the water washes away our sin, and in that sense, cleanses our conscience before God. That's why uh, in all kinds of forms of baptism, they use water. In uh, our tradition, we actually do what's called a full immersion, not just because we see in the Bible, people got baptized in rivers and lakes, but because the act of emergent just doesn't doesn't just fully wash out all that stuff uh, symbolically but in the act of being immersed you actually fall back and are lifted back out and even there the symbolism is rich with the death and the resurrection of Jesus that makes it all possible that's kind of the point or the purpose of baptism that baptism is this visual symbolism of all that Jesus has done to make faith a reality in a person's life and because of that baptism is kind of the biblical symbol to declare or to profess your faith and in that sense what I want us to appreciate when we're talking about the Bible's vision for baptism is that baptism is actually a starting point for a life of faith not a finish line I know some people for thinking about the journey of seeking and then believing if professing our faith comes next quite often we will wait uh, a certain you know period of time even years or decades before we finally feel like we've got enough figured out or we're tracking with Jesus enough or enough has kind of got organized in our life that we could kind of take that step. That's not the purpose of baptism at all. The purpose of baptism in symbolizing what Jesus has done to enable faith is to represent the beginning of a faith journey, to represent the reality of faith, not that you've achieved a certain level of faith, but that you've entered the journey in the first place. And so we need to appreciate that when we're talking about baptism, the the rich symbolism that it has is way more of a starting point than a finish line or a place of arrival. But from the Bible's perspective, baptism is a significant spiritual step to mark the faith life and the reality of faith in a person. Um, For starters, it was something that Jesus taught disciples to do. In Matthew chapter 28, it says there, Jesus says to his original disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Notice in Jesus teaching the sequence, you go and make disciples and then you baptize them on becoming disciples before you begin to teach them and grow and develop them as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Go, you know, become a disciple baptized and then uh, track in learning more about Jesus and becoming more like him. Not only did Jesus teach about baptism, Jesus also modeled baptism. He was baptized himself. Luke chapter 3 says uh, in verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And this gets a little theological, uh, theologically complex because Jesus wasn't getting baptized to illustrate the washing away of his sin as the only sinless human being. But rather Jesus was getting baptized to identify with what God was up to in the world. And in Jesus baptism, if you read through in some of the uh, biographical accounts of Jesus life, God affirmed that he affirmed that this was his son with whom he was well pleased. But he did this in part to model this for prospective followers of his, which we see happening in the first century church as recorded in the scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, for example, in verse 41, it says, those who accepted Peter's message about Jesus were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. As people responded to the message of Jesus, they were engaged in seeking as they embarked on believing that message and becoming followers of Jesus. The next step was that they represented that in baptism as they integrated themselves in the life of the community of faith that was going to be stimulating their growth from there on in that the seeking led to believing led to expressing itself in baptism so that they could articulate in the symbolic way their, the reality of their life of faith. Now that's the whole point of baptism that baptism represents a life of faith some of you might be wondering why some Christian faith traditions uh, baptize babies who aren't at a place where they can consciously make that choice this is a bit of a detour but I think it's relevant for many of us because if we haven't come from one of those faith traditions we probably know people who have and so it's helpful to understand the differentiation between the theological understandings be- between the two modes of baptism uh, in both cases. Uh, Christians would view biblical baptism as kind of the rite of passage into faith in Christ. And in that sense, uh, baptism kind of serves as what we call the New Testament or New Covenant equivalent of what the Old Covenant or the Old Testament example was uh, in the nation of Israel of circumcision of young boys. And so, you know, because God related to the nation of Israel a certain way in the Old Testament, but relates differently to people today through what Jesus did. They describe the relationship with God as a covenant, and there was an old covenant and then a new covenant. I'm getting a little technical, my apologies. But both kind of views of baptism view baptism as the new covenant equivalent of what the old covenant form of circumcision was. But here's the thing. As an access point into God's family, as a rite of passage into a life of faith. That's what baptism represents. Some people view it because the Old Testament practice happened just after your birth. The New Testament practice similarly would happen just after birth. And so you have the circumcising of babies and the baptizing of babies uh, in the New Testament. The way that we understand the scriptures and and others as well, uh, understand that a life of faith through Jesus Christ is available differently than a life of faith uh, through the nation of Israel was. That was accessed through your physical birth. Where a life of faith is accessed through your seeking and believing as a conscious adult through what we would describe your spiritual birth. That's what we refer to in churches when we talk about being born again. You're not born again Physically, you're born spiritually. You come to spiritual life because Jesus now has invaded your life By putting your trust in him. And so rather than baptizing babies who've entered their physical family at birth. We try to baptize spiritual babies who've entered the spiritual family shortly after their spiritual birth. Which is again why we refer to baptism as a starting point of faith. Not a finish line of faith. So that ideally it can represent the journey that's about to begin but we baptize adults or conscious young adults because we baptize people on their belief, on their faith as a mechanism or as a symbol to allow people to profess it. That's why in many cases, uh, and especially in in, uh, how we practice baptism here at Southridge, uh, we will always include a little bit of the person's story in their baptism ceremony. So that the spiritual journey that they'd been on, as articulated by them provides the verbal articulation and the declaration of their faith with the symbolism of baptism in this one-two kind of potent punch. And so together with the verbal declaration and profession comes the symbolism of baptism and the public profession through that ceremony all as kind of one shot. That's how we practice it around here. So all that to say, what's the takeaway for this morning's talk? What's the takeaway when we learn that after the spiritual stage of seeking comes the spiritual stage of believing. And after the spiritual stage of believing comes the step of professing. Well, quite simply, if you've never professed your faith, you might want to think about that. And specifically, if you've never thought of the importance or significance of professing your faith through the act and the symbolism and the ceremony of baptism, if that happens to be you, well, y'all might want to get that keister of yours into that baptism tank sometime soon. And practically speaking, uh, we'd encourage you to go to southridgechurch.ca slash baptism and you can kind of sign up or sign yourself up to embark on the baptism preparation process. Or you can just reach out to one of your uh, location pastors or just a, a local pastor or staff member and they'll help get you going. And I say that by because by process or by preparation, we don't mean that there's a certain kind of uh, level you need to get at. Again, it's a starting point, not a a finish line. But we do as a church want to come alongside you and help you kind of understand what you're getting into so that by the time you're getting baptized, you're getting baptized knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it. We want to come alongside you in that way and help walk you through that process so you can kind of go to the website or talk to a location pastor of your choice and you know around here sometimes we baptize people in real one-off ways someone wants to get baptized they contact us we walk with them and you know a few Sundays later uh, they're in the baptism tank at their location and uh, doing that in those one-off ways is kind of cool because it increases the frequency around here with which people get baptized and gives us a more regular opportunity to celebrate them. Sometimes, though, uh, we kind of set a date in advance where we try to rally a whole bunch of people towards and then we have like a a whole kind of a jumbo baptism with, you know, like a half dozen or a dozen people and across our locations, it makes for a really rich celebration. And uh, there's no right or wrong on either of those. And so around here, we try to do both. And so if there's a Sunday coming up that works for you and as you're talking with the location pastor or your family or friends that you want to get baptized, we would love to facilitate that in whatever one-off ways work for you. But if you want to be part of a a morning that we're going to try to set up in advance, we're actually shooting now for Thanksgiving Sunday on October the 13th as our next kind of, you know, more mega baptism. And if we can get a whole bunch of people who've never been baptized before, never realized the spiritual significance of declaring and professing your faith, if we can come alongside and walk with you and prepare that, we think that we'll have really, that we'll really have something significant to celebrate and give thanks to God for uh, on Thanksgiving Sunday on October the 13th. So if that's you, uh, I hope that God is impressing that on your heart. I hope you'll take that action step and that you'll gear up. If not on a one-off Sunday, you'll gear up for the strength in numbers baptism that we're going to have on Thanksgiving Sunday on October the 13th. If you're here today though, and you've already been baptized and you're wondering, well, what's in it for me? Say a couple of things. First of all, uh, you may know people in your circle who've never taken that step they've been seeking they've been even believing but they've never taken that step to outwardly declare or articulate or profess their faith or specifically to represent it in baptism Uh, I'd encourage you to encourage them and come alongside them and uh, remind them that it's a starting point not a finish line and you know try to invest in those around you to take that step of professing their faith. But in addition, let's appreciate that in the same way that these other two stages are not one time phases of faith, but actually recurring moments that exist in a continuous way in the life of a believer. We're always seeking and learning. We're always believing new things and taking our understanding to new depths and our likeness of Jesus, hopefully uh, to new heights. We can always be professing our faith and we can always be experiencing the power of that profession. First Peter chapter three says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And in more than just a one time way, the Bible encourages us to always be able to articulate what we call our why. Why? To be able to articulate why it is that we live a life of faith. Why it is that we've chosen to follow Jesus. Why it is that we're making the choices that we are. And living the life that we are. And it's a helpful exercise to be able to articulate in a unique way for your life. Your why. Even if you've been baptized and you've already declared that once. To be able to articulate that and to profess that has power every time we share it. Because of the inherent power of profession. And I think about my own life, I think that a lot of the spiritual highlight moments have been those moments where we've captured the power of profession. I think about in my own baptism, you know, years ago uh, at our former church location, you know, standing in the baptism tank with our founding pastor and, you know, realizing I know that I'm feeling these things. I know I've made these commitments and I want to aspire to this life. But standing in the baptism tank, there is a dynamic where this is now for real. And it's significant. If you've never done it, know that there's significance in that moment. Uh, I've shared as well that the opportunity to baptize my dad and uh, that Sunday as well to be able to baptize my mom who was getting baptized together with my dad because she'd come from a faith tradition of infant baptism. So she was getting baptized again as a conscious adult representing her faith in that way. Uh, Probably one of the spiritual highlight moments of my life. Uh, a few years ago, I got the chance to baptize uh, one of my kids, which was a very close second. And, you know, I think about those other moments of other, you know, close friends and, and family members that I've had the opportunity to stand face-to-face in the baptism tank with. It's really something remarkable. And so, you know, if you've never done that, I'd encourage you to, to take that step today. The cool thing, though, is as a church family, we get to celebrate baptism today. And we get to celebrate the significance of three people from our St. Catherine's location taking that step of publicly declaring and then representing the profession of their faith in baptism. And so in a little while, as you hear those stories... uh, Ask yourself whether you could take the courageous step of sharing your story as a public profession of your faith and whether the spiritual step of baptism and representing all that Jesus has done in you uh, is a step that's reasonable for you to take now as all of us consider why it is that we've embarked on a life of faith if we've made that choice to believe so that we can always be prepared to give that answer for the reason for the hope that we profess. Bottom line here is we're given a special moment as a church family today because certain people are willing to take the step of verbally articulating and declaring their faith. And we get as a church family across all of our locations the chance to enter into that as we share in their stories by video and experience the power of profession. And as you experience that yourself, I hope that you'll be reminded of how spiritually significant that can be so that you can know in your own life, whether you've already been baptized or whether that's a step for you to take, that there is significance in the verbal articulation of your faith. And that when it comes to seeking and believing, there is another stage called professing where there is spiritual power in professing what Jesus has done in you. Let's pray together as we prepare to celebrate that as a church family. God, we want to thank you again for the opportunity to hit the refresh button on what a life of faith with you looks like. And uh, as we've been inspired to seek you out with all of our hearts, and as we've been inspired to entrust our lives to you, once we've come to some resolution on who you are and who you want to be in our lives. I pray that you would help us see the significance of actually declaring that of sharing that with others of verbally articulating with our mouths what's going on in our minds and hearts and experiencing and allowing others to enjoy the power of profession God, I pray that you would help us to reflect on how every single one of us can do that to a greater degree. And I pray that you would rally every one of us now to celebrate with these three baptism participants and just enjoy the power of their profession as in St. Catherine's today, uh, they represent the wonder of your work in their lives. God, I pray that you would inspire many of us to take that step and uh, that you know, in the course of the weeks and months to come, we would be inspired by many among us who uh, have realized the significance of this spiritual stage and have taken the courage and faith and obedience to trust in you enough to declare our faith in you and to allow the power of profession to be real in our lives as well. Thank you that you want to do that work. Help us to celebrate today and beyond. We love you. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.